Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. Right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Wednesday. We got a lot of stuff that we have to talk about today. Disney Plus released a plethora of new release dates specifically for their summer window, so a lot to look forward to on the streaming service. There's a brand new David Fincher film on the horizon, some films to talk about that are opening this weekend, a review that I have that I want to give you guys regarding in the DC universe and a little bit more. But the first thing that I do have to talk about is something that has kind of been brewing within the comic book community for the last 24 hours and finally gave way. And we officially have a brand new Spider-Man title for the third installment in the MCU. And it is officially titled Spider-Man No Way Home. And this comes after hours that came beforehand, going really all the way back to yesterday evening where Tom Holland put out this title and everyone thought it was the official title of the Spider-Man film and it turned out to be a fake name that was Spider-Man Phone Home kind of riffing off of E.T. and then at first people thought that was the actual legit title and then Jacob Balton who plays Ned in the Spider-Man films came out with his own title called Spider-Man Home Record and then Zendaya came out with a title called Spider-Man Home Slice so there was there was a punchline that came with this and some people thought that it would climax to a reveal on Jimmy Fallon because Tom Holland was on Fallon last night promoting his new film Cherry on Apple TV+. Plus. So people thought that maybe a title would come from there. But when it didn't, I think a lot of people started to get agitated that there wasn't a punchline to this joke. And along with those fake titles, we got these new pictures that came out that those seem legit where it's Ned, Peter, and MJ together in this kind of really ominous room it could be the 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 sanctum from dr strange but it definitely seemed like this very ancient room that they were in with no idea of what's actually in there and then today it finally boiled over to getting the reveal of spider-man no way home which i actually did like the reveal and of course with a joke you need to have a punchline and they came up with a good one where Tom is coming out of of John Watts who's the director of these Spider-Man films he's coming out of his office and there's a little banter going back and forth between the trio of characters of friends and then you the the camera follows them out into the hallway and then they push in on this whiteboard that has all these different title scratches or or, or ideas for titles and then they get the whiteboard of Spider-Man Far From Home or Spider-Man No Way Home and I got to commend the whiteboard whoever did the art for that I, I don't know how many hours it took them to actually do that but I commend them for that and we got the, the official title and I'm, I'm happy for this title actually I like No Way Home because I think it feeds into the narrative of what this story is going to be and so far I think the really the basic story that we know so far g- gaining from the casting and from what we know from the 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 mid credit scene of Far From Home is that Spider-Man's identity has has been revealed it seems like to the world that he is peter parker and that's never really been done before in the comics his identity has always been kept secret even from his loved ones some people know who he is but for the most part not everybody so this is really uncharted territory that kevin feige and sony are taking with this character and the fact that maybe there might be legal repercussions that come with it since it seems like mysterio who was the main villain far from home sets up spider-man to 
take the fall of murdering Mysterio and setting up all the drones to attack London in the climactic battle of the last film. So it seems like Mysterio was able to officially set up Spider-Man to be the fall guy in this whole scenario and frame him. So the title of No Way Home, along with the fact that this is going to deal with potentially the multiverse being the second part of this potential three-movie arc of with WandaVision and then Spider-Man and then culminating, it seems like, with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness with Benedict Cumberbatch coming in for Spider-Man 3, it seems like it's going to be dealing with the multiverse. So No Way Home might be also alluding to other Spider-Men maybe coming into this universe and trying to get back to their respective universes, kind of like what happened with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So there's definitely multiple indications that you can get just from this title alone and i don't think a title can make or break a movie overall it's not going to make a movie better it's not going to make a movie worse but it's something that i think a lot of people can speculate on especially when it comes to comic book movie titles or television tv titles as we're now getting with disney plus shows in the mcu that i think you can play around this and maybe get an idea of what's what's to come you can see the the color of the spider-man logo it's more blue and red this time than in pre in the last two movies where it was more bright yellow with bright orange and red so maybe it'll take a little bit of a darker turn this time around so i i like the title i think it's a good one better than phone home or home wreck or home slice at first i really did think phone home was the title and when i saw that i actually texted my friend because he sent it to me and, and i actually cringed a little bit because i just it just again it goes in theme with the home because homecoming far from home were the first two titles and we were probably going to get another reference of home included in this title and phone home just didn't work for me and again the well, the big thing about a joke is that you always have a punchline at the end and they finally did it after hours and hours and hours of waiting tom holland really was trolling twitter kind of joking around with a lot of people kind of fooling them around so i think people knew this title was probably coming it's just it took a lot longer than i think people thought it was going to to be and it took more than a little a little over 12 hours for it to actually debut but it, it's the talk of twitter right now i think people are fans of this title and we seem to be getting this movie around christmas time still it's it's set to come out around december of 2021 and in the title sequence it said only in movie theaters this christmas so sony is still setting this film up to be around the holiday times because again even though marvel studios is a part of this they're more part of the creative aspect of this they're not really part of the marketing or the financial repercussions of this film however they do i think get a little bit more of the of the money intake in the box office this time around with the new rework deal that they did in 2019 after the, the, it was reported that they that marvel and sony broke off with this and then they came back together to do one final spider-man film and one more film with spidey in the mcu that it seems like marvel was able to get a little bit more cheddar in this deal but again sony is still in a majority control of marketing this film producing this movie and it's really their film when you see the box office intake they still hold a majority ownership of the spider-man franchise so i think for for this film 
it's still going to be a, a big hit. It arguably is, for a lot of people, their most anticipated movie of 2021 right now and their most anticipated MCU film when you have four additional or, excuse me, three more films coming in the MCU this year as of right now with Black Widow still set for May. You have Shang-Chi coming out in July and Eternals in November. So the fact that Spider-Man 3 is at the pinnacle, it makes sense. Spider-Man is a very famous comic book hero. So I I think there are a lot of people looking forward to this. And then, of course, the rumors of Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, and some of the other Spider-Man characters from previous iterations of the past coming back into this film, like Doc Ock from Alfred Molina coming back and Jamie Foxx's Electro, that there's a lot of anticipation coming around this film. And I think the title, again, it's just another hype a targeting hype machine that can further propel this film to being buzzed about. And again, I don't think people are going to not see this film because of the title, but I think it just generates more word of mouth to see where the story could go with the title Spider-Man No Way Home. So what do you guys think about the title for the next film in the Spider-Man franchise in one of the next installments in the MCU? Let me know what you think of the title Spider-Man No Way Home home. And then speaking of Spider-Man and the MCU, that really wasn't the only big thing that happened today in regards to the MCU. There was a lot of announcements and some release dates for Disney Plus. And it was funny, earlier this morning, I was going through some articles, going through some stories, and there wasn't really a whole lot going on. It, It was starting off as a slow news day. But eventually, especially on a Wednesdays, once you get, especially here around the East Coast, to like 12, 1 o'clock, which Pacific Standard Time is 9, 10 o'clock, where a lot of the reporters that write some of these articles are, are actually going to work and actually starting to release a lot of this news, that's where you get kind of the big drops that happen. And from really that point forward, it was just a whole lot of information that was coming out regarding some major, major, highly anticipated shows in Disney+. And today, was the TCA presentation for <clears throat> excuse me Disney Plus and for those people that don't know TCA it's kind of the the winter the winter panel, kind of like the winter Comic-Con for television, where a lot of the the studios like CW, ABC, NBC, Warner Media did with, with HBO, that they kind of unveil and give new details about some of the up-and-coming television shows that they want to get people to notice and gear up for and start to really start the, the buzz machine going for their films or for the television shows, rather. And today was the, the Disney presentation of that, and we got a whole lot of information regarding uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe shows now since they are a part of Disney Plus that you can add this to being another event that people can look forward to to a lot of MCU information and we got a little bit of information from Kevin Feige he took a lot of questions from some journalists and he talked about WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and talked about the the timeline for a lot of these in regards to the the length of episodes and the the characters that will be a part of these shows and how they'll be integrated into the to the movies but also into television and how it's going to be more of a weaving process telling the story on two media formats so he was really just kind of giving i think more of an explanation of what to expect he talked about how they're gearing up for obviously falcon winter soldiers next after wandavision they also talked about how right now they're shooting miss marvel hawkeye and the next two shows that they will be looking to get into production on is both she-hulk 
and Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. So th- there's a lot on Marvel Studios' plate right now, and it just, again, reinforces the fact that they know how to hype up a crowd, hype up an event, and get details out to people, and still give out details, but still be cryptic and answer some questions while also delivering new questions for people to ask for the next time that they are allowed to talk to Kevin Feige about a lot of this stuff. And one of the big things that came out of this was the announcement of a lot of highly anticipated Disney Plus shows still to come. And the first one that was announced, obviously, was Falcon and the Winter Soldier, set to come out on March 19th. Then it was announced that the Mighty Ducks Game Changers is coming out on March 26th. Then on Star Wars Day, May the 4th, and then going to its official release date of May 7th on Friday, we're getting the next installment in the Star Wars franchise in animated format with Star Wars The Bad. Batch, which will be a spinoff from the characters that were introduced last year in the final season of The Clone Wars. Then we have the second season of High School Musical, the musical, the series on May 14th. And then the next installment in the Disney Plus MCU sphere after Falcon and Winter Soldier will be Loki on June 11th. Then Monsters at Work, the long in development television show, animated show from Monsters Inc. and Pixar will be coming out on July 2nd. And then the remake, re boot of Turner and Hooch with Josh Peck will be coming on July 16th. And then for those in the animated sphere, Chippendale Park Life will be premiering on July 23rd. So Disney really went into what their summer is going to entail for a lot of people that for the next phase of the year, the next quarter, this is the stuff to really look forward to. And for Disney, this is, I think, their biggest batch of, of shows to come out so far. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean in terms of anticipation. Sure, there, a lot of these are second seasons or premier, series premieres of big franchises that people are looking forward to. But in terms of the volume of high-profile television shows that Disney Plus is putting out, 2019, obviously, you got The Mandalorian and a few other shows that people were enjoying. But after Mandalorian ended, there was a very lull point, really up until the summertime when Hamilton came out. Then it was a little bit more of a lull where you got a few projects not as high profile as Mando or Hamilton, but you still got some things that people could look forward to on the streaming service. And then you got the second season of The Mandalorian. Now we have WandaVision and we're starting to get more of a little bit of a role on a lot of these high profile projects that audiences and consumers were advertised towards when signing up for this streaming service. And one of the big criticisms has been, again, that roller coaster of not a lot of content, but the content that I do get, it's worth the price of seven dollars a month that I'm paying for the streaming service. Now with it seems like these new batch of release dates, it's not like we're getting WandaVision and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier in June. We're getting Falcon and the Winter Soldier a week after the finale or really two weeks rather since the finale of WandaVision when it airs on March 5th. And then for kids, you get the Mighty Ducks on March 26th. And then for Star Wars fans, you get the Bad Batch on on May fourth and then for people that are maybe in the young adult category you get high school musical in the summertime as well and then loki you get on june 11th and for some of the other kids you get monsters at work which is the monster a sequel basically to monsters inc then you get turner hooch for maybe those young adults again who are kind of transfixed and know somebody like a josh peck or for people that know the classic comedy from the 80s with tom hanks so 
there's there's a big volume of content for people to consume in the summertime when it comes to Disney Plus. It's not like you're waiting for just one major thing in Hamilton and then there's really else nothing to watch. There will be multiple things for people to watch that hits all the arrays that Disney Plus has to offer. The young kids, the the young adults, the the, the fanboys of Star Wars and Marvel. All that is hitting with these shows that are coming out during the summertime and during the spring as well. So I I think this is a good batch for Disney Plus to move forward to. And we still have a lot of things that are going to be coming out in the summertime, I believe. After Loki, we have the What If show in Marvel, and that's kind of the animated show showing these multiple timelines that weren't in the movies that could have been these different scenarios that played out, and that could be coming out late in the summer in July or in August. So there's still a lot of stuff, I think, left to be announced, but for this little phase for Disney Plus to have right now, I think is their biggest phase to date and I think is what they need to move forward and really asserting themselves more than they already have in the streaming sphere. And the ones that I'm really looking forward to is I know Falcon the Winter Soldier. That's probably the, the top of the top. Of, I've said it's my most anticipated show on the streaming service, even with Mandalorian and WandaVision. That was the one I was really looking forward to. But I know that has been coming out on March 19th for a while. So I want to look at the other shows that were announced that maybe we didn't know that were coming out on these dates that I'm looking forward to in the next few months. And the first one is obviously Star Wars The Bad Batch. I The Bad Batch episodes weren't the most integral or the most remembered parts of season seven. Obviously, the last four episodes, what they did will be the, the highlight of the final season of Clone Wars. But those Bad Batch episodes were a lot of fun. And those characters were, I think, really big standouts that you enjoyed them. And to have them kind of have their own spinoff show, I think will be interesting to kind of see that group work together after the Clone Wars and kind of showcase this era of Star Wars that we've heard about and we've seen throughout the Star Wars Rebels or through the original trilogy, but we really haven't seen it in its in its infancy where the Clone Wars end and where really is the galaxy in terms of the end of the Clone Wars and the rise of the Galactic Empire and for clones that maybe didn't get Order 66 like the Bad Batch, where do they fit in with this universe? And that's what this show is going to explore while probably having Easter eggs and cameos like a, a Finnick from, from Minnan Wen from Mandalorian. It's been confirmed that she's going to be a part of the show as well. So to kind of have all these cameos that Dave Filoni does in his animated shows and a lot of great storytelling as well while appealing both to fanboys and to kids as well. I think it's going to be exciting to see what The Bad Batch does. And again, it's going to premiere on May 4th on Tuesday in commemoration for Star Wars Day, which makes a ton of sense, and then going to its spot on Fridays starting May 7th. So for that first week, we're going to get two episodes of Star Wars The Bad Batch, which, again, you can't get wrong with two episodes of Star Wars content, and that'll be really exciting. And so the next thing that I'm really anticipating from this batch of television shows that's coming out in the next few months is, of course, Loki from Marvel Studios. And seeing what they have done in that first trailer that premiered at Disney Investor Day, I'm really interested in seeing what crazy stuff they do with this Loki television show. And I think it's going to 
kind of pick up from the craziness outside the box thinking that we got with WandaVision, where we could explore multiple different universes, multiple different timelines, and kind of get more of a gritty, edgy, as Kevin Feige put it, mystery th- crime thriller, basically, is what this television show is going to be. Having Owen Wilson in there, Gugu Mbatha Raw, there's so many great actors that are part of this show, and it's something that we haven't explored before that I think is going to be very interesting. And to kind of see a different Loki than we've gotten beforehand, where he hasn't gone through what he did in the Dark World or Ragnarok and Infinity War. We're getting somebody that's coming right after still being a villain from the first Avengers film. So what direction does this Loki go in that we haven't seen before? So and, and having Tom Hiddleston come back to do this is incredible. And he's been a part of this franchise for when this does come out. It will be a little over 10 years since the the first Thor movie premiered in 2011. So to have him still playing this character 10 years later is incredible. And it seems like he's going to be bringing a lot more to the table than he maybe did previously. And, and another one that, that I'm really looking forward to is on the animated side with Monsters at Work. This has been a show that I've heard a lot about since Disney Plus was really announced. This was one of the first shows that Bob Iger was talking about that was being in development with Monsters at Work. And it finally has a release date of July 2nd. And again, this is really going to appeal more to the younger kids in, in the Pixar realm that maybe are a little too young to be watching some of the darker material on Loki or even Star Wars the Bad Batch or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So for Monsters at Work and to kind of continue from the end of the Monsters Inc. in 2003 and see where it goes from there with Mike and Sully with with John Goodman and Billy Billy Crystal coming back into these roles is going to be exciting to see. And I'm just interested in seeing what this show is going to be after hearing so much about it. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And the final one is one that I didn't think I would at this point be anticipating, but seeing the cast that's involved and having it being kind of set in modern day, I'm intrigued by it. And that's Turner and Hooch, which is premiering on July 16th with Josh Peck. And for those who know Jerry and Josh, I was a big fan of that show. And to see Josh Peck kind of come back to the the family television roots a little bit with this show is going to be exciting to see and to see how it does something different than what we saw with the Tom Hanks film. I'm very excited to see, but also harking back and making sure that it resembles what people might love from that classic comedy is going to be exciting to see. And again, for Disney overall, I think... This batch is going to be exciting. And again, it it won't just be you get one show for multiple weeks and then that's it. You're going to get shows in every single month for basically the entirety of the summertime. And I think that's going to be a lot of exciting for a lot of people. And I think a lot of these shows are hopefully they deliver. And I think they will be big hits for different aspects of Disney Plus. And that's the one thing that... I think the, the the streaming service has going really well for it is it, it can appeal to multiple different genres, multiple different demographics than a lot of other streaming services can do. Sure, Netflix has animated shows and it has movies and, and shows that can appeal to different audiences, but Disney Plus categorizes it so well with Pixar and animation, and then you have the more hardcore stuff for MCU and Star Wars that I don't think a lot of other streaming services really do that all that well and advertise it as well as Disney Plus does and 
obviously have the same kind of catalog that Disney Plus can infuse with. And I think they're now really taking full control of that and showing the possibilities and the 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 indestructibleness of this streaming service and the fact that no one can really match the IP that Disney has maybe other than HBO with something like a DC or, or their HBO shows, but and Cartoon Network. But th- th- Disney has really some incredible things I think going on with their shows. Seeing the trailers of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, seeing a trailer like the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which I was a fan of those films when I was a little kid, even though they were in the 90s. I watched them in the early 2000s and I really enjoyed them. So I think the fact that you now can update that story for younger kids today is going to be exciting and I think that will appeal to to people and, and it appealed to me in a way as well. So I think Disney has some really cool shows that will appeal to a lot of people and I think these are going to be, this is just really the tip of the iceberg and there's going to be more stuff coming towards again the end of the summer into the fall, the winter. It, it, this is just I think the beginning in 2021 I think is going to be the year that again Disney Plus has really asserted itself but it's really just done that with two shows it's done it with Mandalorian for two seasons it's done it with WandaVision for one season throughout this run but now it's going to be multiple shows I think that are going to really showcase the dominance of this streaming service for a lot of people so what do you guys think about these shows which one are you more anticipating for which one are you more excited for is it The Bad Batch is it The Mighty Ducks is it High School Musical The Musical The Series is it Loki Turner and Hooch Chippendale which one are you guys most excited about let me know what you think and leave your thoughts below. And now moving away from the streaming wars from Disney and Marvel, I want to talk about another big story that kind of was lost a little bit in the mix when all this Disney Plus news was coming out. And that is the announcement of a brand new David Fincher film, which is kind of surprising because sometimes with his films, he takes forever in making them. And just in his last two films between Gone Girl, which came out in 2014, that which transferred over to basically a six year gap in creating a feature film between 2014 and 2020 with his Netflix film Mank. It seems like the the timeline and the gap between production on his films is going to be much shorter this time around as according to outlets it is being reported that David Fincher will be working with Netflix on a adaptation of the book The Killer and it is reportedly going to star Michael Fassbender in the lead role and being the screenwriter for this is a frequent collaborator for David Fincher, and that is Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote both Seven and Fight Club, which are two, you can argue, masterpieces, especially in David Fincher's filmography. And to have them teaming back up again, to have Fassbender in this role, it's based off of a graphic novel, and it's about this assassin who begins a psychological crack as he develops a conscious and even his clients continue to demand his skill. So it definitely seems like something that is up Fincher's wheelhouse. And I think the pairing of both Fincher and Michael Fassbender is as great and as perfect as you can get because Fassbender has the, the, the tools and the skill set 
in his arsenal to work on a Fincher film, kind of being a very ominous, weird, weary kind of character that that a lot of David Fincher films have. And and seeing that kind of team up between a great actor and a great director is always amazing to see. And the fact that this is going to be a Netflix, I, I wish this would have been something that he does in theaters. But according to the story, this has been one that Fincher has been circling for a long, long time. And it was originally a Paramount. And it was supposed to have Brad Pitt involved in it and kind of reunite the two of them once again to, to work on a film. But it didn't really work out that way. And Netflix got its hands on it and finally working with Fincher now, it seems like this film is officially in high gear and getting made. And again, this is a movie that's in the pre-production process right now, and it's looking to start filming by the fall time, specifically in September. So again, for David Fincher, he's in the midst of this award season run right now for Mank, and to kind of just follow it up again with another film just coming off of it it is really cool and again you can't get enough of Fincher and I think for people that even maybe aren't in love with Mank as much as they love his other movies I think appreciate what he's able to do with this film and still think that it doesn't diminish the quality of a filmmaker that he is and that he was able to deliver something fantastic for in his filmography so I think this is going to be an interesting film it's an interesting premise I love the the setup that you have between you you have a writer that you're familiar with and you're working with a versatile actor who fits the the qualities that you're looking for in the characters in the way that he makes his movie so I think all this on paper sounds great and hopefully again sometimes something on paper looks great but it doesn't translate when you actually are filming something so Hopefully, this actually translates to something that seems to be on paper a bona fide hit and a bona fide Oscar contender potentially, but we'll see how all that plays out in the next few years with The Killer. So what do you guys think about this David Fincher film? Michael Fassbender starring in it. Do you think he's the right choice to be in this film? What about Andrew Kevin Walker coming on to write this film as well? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts below. And... Now, with all the movie news kind of out of the way, I want to talk about my annual opening this weekend segment. And this weekend, there's not a whole lot coming out to really get anticipated for, to really get excited about. If you're a family that is looking to watch something you've already seen sold 10,000 times at this particular point, and there's nothing really else to watch, then you have the brand new Tom and Jerry film to look forward to on a HBO Max. It stars Chloe Grace Moretz. It stars Michael Pena, Colin Joes from SNL, and of course, Tom and Jerry are in this as well. And it's one of those mixtures of animation meets live action hybrid. And if this was made in in two in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, I think this could have been a, a definite bona fide hit. And I still think it could definitely maybe be a streaming hit on HBO Max. And this is one of those films where, again, when we have the conversation of what should qualify as something that you could put on on streaming and can be really successful, definitely not something like a Suicide Squad, definitely not a Dune or even something like a Godzilla versus Kong. But these first three films that have come out on HBO Max that have taken advantage of this hybrid of theaters and streaming in the little things, Judas and the Black Messiah, and now Tom and Jerry, 
I think it would work on a streaming service because again, if you already have the the service, you're not paying extra money to watch this film. And let's say again, you have nothing else to do. I think sitting at home watching this film, it's the perfect thing for a family of maybe four with young kids wanting to do something on a Friday or Saturday night. And this is the kind of film that you can go see. Now, whether it's good or bad, it's probably leaning towards the mixed to negative side since there hasn't been any reviews come out so far. There's been no embargo lift for people that might have seen this film already. So again, that's a, an early indicator that the, the studio probably just wants to put this film out there and just totally be done with it and, and have nothing to do with it in the future. So again, if you're looking for something to watch, I'm a fan of Tom and Jerry, and I think a lot of people are who will love Saturday cartoons and watched the the legit, no pun intended, cat and mouse games between Tom and Jerry. So for people that love these characters, I think you might get a kick out of this if you want to watch it and have nothing else to watch. Or there are a lot of other films that you could definitely check out. I'm going to have a review for I Care A Lot, which I highly recommend. And, and again, this weekend, I'll have a review out for that. And there's also Nomadland out there, Judas and the Black Messiah. There's a whole lot of other films that you can check out before I would recommend Tom and Jerry. But then again, if you're a family of young kids, this is definitely the film to check out before Raya and the Last dragon next weekend so that is really the only major film that's opening this weekend oh actually there's another film that i completely forgot about and that's the united states versus billy holiday on hulu so if, if you have seen all those other films like i just mentioned before and you're looking for another awards contender that is in the mix right now especially for its lead actress andrea day this is definitely one that it seems like is getting a lot of raves for that performance with the united states versus billy holiday which tells the tale of the government trying to take down Billie Holiday because of the icon that she's becoming during the civil rights movement. And one of the songs that she sings that it stirs in, in, in that American time past, it stirred a lot of controversy for white America. And they were trying to take her down because she was a drug user in the past. And it basically is a telling of this icon that maybe not a lot of people know about. So those are the two films to check out this weekend in Tom and Jerry and the United States versus Billie Holiday. If again, if I had to choose between the two, I would probably go with Billie Holiday on Hulu over Tom and Jerry. But again, there's a plethora of other things to check out. And next week, I think, is definitely the week where there's going to be a, uh, the beginning of big blockbusters to check out, that's, which will be on streaming, service for, streaming services that you can check out, like Coming to America and, of course, Raya and the Last Dragon. So if you guys are interested, are you excited about seeing Tom and Jerry or The United States vs. Billie Holiday? Are you going to pass on these films? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts below. And the final thing that I'm going to be talking about today on the Sam Bissell podcast podcast is doing a review for this DC show that I just checked out on HBO Max. And it's been one that has been out for a few years. I've heard about it, but I finally was able to get into it. Really the first season, I'm watching the second season right now, and that is of Titans, which was on the DC Universe streaming service before HBO Max came into effect. And it's now on HBO Max. So this is a basically a live action adaptation of Teen Titans. It, it features Robin, it features Raven, it has Gar and Starfire. It has all these comic book characters that you might know that you might be less familiar with, but are basically the sidekicks to all these major iconic DC heroes like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, 
And I will say that, that the first season, I liked it. I liked it, and it wasn't the greatest thing I've seen. It definitely isn't the best comic book television show I've seen, but it definitely was a fun, entertaining watch to enjoy. It was definitely the most mature, one of the most mature DC shows that I've seen in a long time. And it reminded me, and I was watching with my dad, it reminded me a lot, and he agreed, of heroes, especially the first few episodes. They were very, again, gritty and very realistic and were very... They didn't have a lot of special effects infused into them until you get to really the second half of the show where I think for the first season, understandably so, because the DC Universe streaming service was really its own thing. And I don't think it had a lot of money behind it. And you can tell with the budget that I think they only made sure that they put in the special effects when they needed to, but it didn't really kind of tinker away with anything that I really watched. The first season really tells a good cohesive story and the the really the big takeaway from this season is the chemistry between the cast because when you have team ups like this, you it's really the the camaraderie and the chemistry between the actors that I think can really suck you in. And really from the beginning you you get that with this group of characters. And it takes a little bit for them to to get together to form the Titans, but once they do come together, I think this goes on on a really cool ride. They have awesome powers. They have awesome individual personalities that work well off of one another. Uh, and what, what was interesting about this is the fact that they reference all the Easter eggs and references that they make, acknowledging that there is this greater universe out there. There is a Justice League. There is a Batman. There is a, a Superman. There is a Wonder Woman. But we don't see them because, again, it's focusing on these side characters that, again, they would just be the sidekicks, the second tier to these other heroes. But now we kind of get to see them in the limelight and I think the the character of Robin played by Brenton Thwaites who if you know him from I remember seeing him in in The Giver with Jeff Bridges and then going to Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man Tell No Tales this is the best thing that he's done and he is a, a great Robin honestly and what what the show does so well when it comes to Robin since in this season he's the most iconic superhero and the well-known superhero in this show that I think they really go in deep into a Robin that we haven't seen before in live action where they they kind of go, do what they would do with Batman where they talk about the dual personalities of a hero and specifically when it comes to Dick Grayson who is Dick Grayson who is Robin and how can they coexist with one another when one tries to be be kind and thoughtful and think about people whereas robin is this just just vigilante who just beats people down to to near death basically that has no conscience no emotions no remorse whatsoever so i like the the story that he was kind of going through in this and the same thing with with rachel who's played by tegan croft i thought she really took a, a shine to me as an as a character somebody who was really conflicted and the way that they introduce these characters at first in the first few episodes is slow but again it picks up as the season goes along and i was thinking to myself if thinking to myself because i realized that this show was produced by greg berlanti who does a lot of the arrowverse shows and i was thinking to myself this is definitely something different than what he's done before and by the season finale which kind of spills into the se- the season two premiere it definitely feels like a greg berlanti dc show where you get one contained story 
that and you get an, uh, another season that tells a new different story with new villains but the same characters kind of so i'm really looking forward to to what they can do next in titans i'm really digging the show so far and again i know it's only two seasons so the second season i'm really looking for the progression on a lot of these characters and seeing where a lot of them can go because now having this first season under my belt i really love the characters i love the story that was told and seeing kind of the season one season two premiere slash finale and seeing how they can expand on some of these characters and introduce new characters that we've heard of but we haven't seen is exciting so i definitely recommend titans i think it was a good start to the show again starts off a little slow but definitely hits its stride about episode four episode five it definitely kicks into another gear that i think people can look forward to so definitely check out titans when you can it's on hbo max right now it was originally part of the dc universe the dc streaming service but now is over at hbo max and i think it's going to stay there and they already have a season three planned out so there's a lot of great stuff to look forward to with this show so if you guys have seen it what have you thought about titans let me know what you think and leave your thoughts and with that down and out of the way that will do it for this edition of the sam basel podcast once again everyone thank you so much for tuning in be sure to check out my channel for more content you can check me out on spotify apple podcast stitcher radio public soundcloud and much more also make sure to tune in on to the ambiguous podcast solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also check out goal-driven professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also check out The Daily Grind a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also along the way, make sure to check out these other awesome shows on the podcast solution, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, WrestleMania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Bissell. And you can also check me out on YouTube where I catch up with the latest directors and actors on some of the big projects that are coming out soon. And you can also find me on there as well. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.